You're listening to the Promise Church's message of the week. We hope you enjoy this teaching by Pastor Chris Donald. For more information about who we are, please visit us at thepromisechurch.com. So I just want to take a moment, and uh, I really felt my heart to honor all of the elders at the Promise Church. So if you're an elder at the Promise Church, can you please stand for a moment? I just want to honor you. Don't all stand at the same time. LJ and Christina, Chris and John, any other elders here? Can we just take a moment and honor them? Thank you, guys. You guys have led well, and you guys have allowed us to grow (laughs) a lot. In the last six years, I mean, these guys have known me when, when I first got born again when I was 18. I want to take a moment. I'm not going to have them stand up, you, I'm, but all of our pastors, um, Jonathan, Aaron, Casey, and the wives. And I had a word for Melissa and Tasha and Ashley and Chelsea. I heard the Lord say, upgrade, that your husbands, we've done a lot in the last six years, and you guys have done so incredible and have been so humble, and I don't know if Tash is here still, but I just felt that the Lord said upgrade for 2021, and all of the humility and all the processes that you've gone through, God's going to bring about great increase in 2021. We would not be here without our wives. Oh my gosh, I would be a dead man. And I've seen Chelsea these last few months just coming to life, and I always have to honor my hero. His name is Scott. Um, He has added so much to my life and added so much to our church, and we will be forever indebted to this man right here. He is a gift from heaven. He's changed even just the few short moments that we've, I mean, I feel like I've known him forever. Um, He's influenced everything in my life except for my fashion. You'll know when I come a true disciple of Scott when I begin to wear that, which is amazing. It's so great, but I just always have to honor him and Jay. Guys, I don't know if you know, but we have one of the greatest evangelists on the planet, I believe, sitting in the front row of the church, and we need to make sure we give honor to whom honor is due. You guys ready to get started? I just want to give you a warning. Can you read, can you read the cover of this? Can somebody say it out loud. Tortured for Christ. So I just want to warn you that we're going to end with this, Okay. I'm going to read a few stories out of here to sober us to what real Christians have gone through and how the Christian faith is meant to overcome in the midst of any impossibility. So I'm going to read a few things out of here, but I just want you to prepare your hearts for that because it's going to be pretty gruesome. It's going to be pretty real. But the reality is, is we watch zombie shows and we think that's cool, but we can't read about real life. Okay, maybe you don't watch zombie shows, but a lot of Christians do, and I'm not even against it. Well, I mean, I am against it, but okay, I'm already in trouble. All right, here we go. Oh, man, Jesus, help me. So, (laughs) the gift of righteousness, everybody say gift. The gift of righteousness is a weapon. The gift of righteousness is a weapon. It's a weapon against the works of the enemy. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do my best. I have a prophetic word for the church or a prophetic scripture. I'm going to give it at the end before I read a few examples out of this book. And so I want to make sure I get through these, these different points. I've not preached for the last two weeks. Um, our school ended 
and just, I mean, I've shared it belong and shared my testimony and preached in that context, but not like this. So I've had about two weeks of just the Lord working this message for you guys as I've been praying for you, and I believe it's specific for you this morning. So I'd really encourage you to lean in and to listen. So the gift of righteousness is a weapon. So many times when I talk to people that are not believers, right, they, they may ask, why do you believe in God? And I could share a story of Aaron and myself in a mosque in Iraq and Muslim men and their hand catching on fire and them praying in Jesus' name and bodies being healed and people falling out. And, or I could share about when Casey and I were in Romania and a deaf man who was deaf and mute for 50 years heard and spoke for the first time. I could talk about the time in Africa when Chelsea laid hands with a group of people on a person that was blind and then they could see, but that's not why I believe. That's not what causes me to believe in Jesus. Actually, there's many times in scripture where people encountered the miraculous power of God and their hearts did not change. I have been on the streets, even in Washington, where I pray for somebody, present the gospel to them. They get completely healed and they walk away unbelieving. So it's not the miracles that I've seen that cause me to believe. It's the fact that I'm right with God. I'm clean. (laughs) I don't know if you heard me. I'm clean. I once was in darkness, but now I'm free. What used to bind me has no hold on me. I'm actually free. So when I stand there in the midst of whatever circumstances are going around me on the inside, righteousness has me and I'm free. I'm clean. I, I remember a couple, um, about a month ago, I was, I was, uh, I was sharing the gospel in a, in a coffee shop and, and I said, the reality is, is there's many here that don't believe and you're bound in sin. And you want to be set free. I'm free. And so can you be free. And I'm going to tell you a story in a little bit about a transgender that came to Jesus in that moment. Because a man possessed a gift called righteousness that brought about transformation in a person's life. Now, I already feel it. You can feel the tension because we've been trained in religion to say, We will never be free. How dare you say you're free? Listen, you can be free. And the Bible clearly tells you you can be free. And you're only allowed to have an opinion if you've read your Bible this week. If you've not read your Bible this week, I don't even care if you listen to Christian radio because a lot of those songs have really bad theology. And they'll convince you that you should be free. Yes, even on the fish. It's true. Get Spotify and listen to empowering worship music and praise. Because when you praise him, you realize that you're right with him. So I want to give you a scripture so that I can kind of break the tension in the room and online that I can already feel. Because you're like, this guy is saying that he's clean and he's free, but my experience tells me otherwise. Your experience does not determine what the book says. Okay, the book says in 2 Corinthians 3, verse 17, where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. You want to know where that spirit lives? In me. And my body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. It's an instrument of righteousness 
So my body is a weapon of righteousness against the things of the enemy. I am right with God, not based on what I do, but based on what he has done. I'm right with God and so are you. But if we believe a demonic narrative that says you'll always sin and fall short of the glory of God, brother, and you're only going to be free when you get to heaven. When you get to heaven, then you'll be free. I mean, in 1 John, shall we? We shall. In 1 John verse, uh, two, chapter 2, verse 28, it says, Now little children, abide in him, that when he appears, we may have confidence and not be ashamed before him at his coming. If you know that he is righteous, you know that everyone who practices righteousness is born of God. Oh my gosh. Let's go to the beginning of verse 2. It, it, chapter 2, it says, it says this, My little children, these things I write to you so that you may not sin. Isn't that amazing? Bob, high five. Yeah, Bob, that's amazing. Come on, come on, Pastor Bob. I mean, think about it. He's tracking with me. I write these things so that you may not sin. And if anyone sins, praise God, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous one. And he himself is the propitiation for our sins and not, our, not for ours only, but also for the whole world. So hear me. I'm not saying saved or not saved. If you can believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and you are actively in relationship with him, you are saved. But there's a difference between being saved and being a victorious Christian. There's 30 full Christians, 60 full Christians, and 100 full Christians. What are you? I want to suggest to you in this season that you need to be a 100 full Christian. Because if you're a 30 fold, you're going to get your butt kicked every day. If we are not living in victorious righteousness, we are in trouble. I'm not talking about salvation. I'm talking about being an overcomer in Christ Jesus. And that is what we're all called to as saints. This is the season we must live in right relationship with God. Or the devil has the ability to mess with you. Fear, anxiety, stress, hate, division, jealousy. All of these things that exist in our lives, have no right to be in your life. I say, if I say you don't have to be anxious, you may say back to me, but you don't know what I've been through. You don't know about my work week. You don't know what happened to me. Listen, what happened to Jesus and what has happened to you in belief in Jesus is way stronger than your work week. And we're going to read some stories to give context of Christians that were tortured for 14 years and came out glowing on the other side. And we're mad because somebody cuts in front of us at Starbucks. Christianity was never meant to be a bite your lip religion. What do I mean by that? If we're not careful, we allow culture to say, well, Christians do good. So even though in my heart I want to kill you, I'm going to bite my lip. And I'm going to do the Christian thing. That's not Christianity. Christianity is having your heart be transformed so you want to do the right thing. Let me give you a very practical example. You're driving down I-5. Somebody cuts in front of you. Oh, oh man, that, that. 
I know what I need to do. I need to love them. Oh, Jesus, oh, help me. And then you talk about it for the whole week. That's not Christianity. That is a form of godliness, void the very power of God to set you free from yourself. (laughs) Instead, you get cut off and you're like, God, bless them. Keep them safe. Reveal yourself to them. And there is not even anger, resentment, bitterness, or nothing in your heart. You can't be touched because you're right with God. So it doesn't matter how you've been touched or poked or prodded. The problem in America is Christians get poked and they freak out. They get squeezed and everything but Christ comes out of them. And we're in a season where we're getting squeezed. And I don't like it, but I thank him for it because it's revealing to me who is mature in Christ and who needs to grow in Christ. We need to thank God for the trial that we're in. He did not cause it, but he is using it to work his beautiful likeness into us. So we'd, we're not going to go to James 1, but in James 1 it says, count it all joy when you face various trials. Because trials will produce in you patience and instead all these different things that will produce in you. How are you looking at the circumstances that you're in? What is... What is it causing you to do? So in Hebrews 6, I've actually never preached this before. And, and it was, it was, I was reading and this stood out to me about three weeks ago. And I've been in Hebrews 6, chapter 1. We're going to read 1 through 3. And I'm actually going to go a little bit above that as well. But, but I, I feel like this is a word. This isn't the prophetic word, but this is a word for the church, for the promised church. And I'm actually going to start up in uh, verse 12. It says, for... Though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you again the first principles of the oracles of God, and you have come to need milk and not solid food. Now listen carefully in verse 13. For everyone who partakes only of milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness. Righteousness is the foundation of Christianity. If we do not discover that we are right with God based upon what Jesus Christ has done, we will never be able to live a victorious Christian life. The word of righteousness, for he is a babe. But solid food belongs to those who are of full age, that is, those who by reason of use have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. Now, verse, chapter 6, verse 1, Therefore, leaving the discussion of the elementary principles of Christ... Let us go on to perfection. So we can, not that we're ever going to be perfect. And I'm not saying that I don't sin. I'm saying that I did not wake up this morning thinking, man, I'm going to sin this morning. I woke up this morning in love with Jesus. I fell asleep last night in love with Jesus. And it's been happening that way for the last 14, 15 years. I've been diagnosed because I have symptoms. I did. I went and I got tested. They tested me and I came back absolutely positive for full possession of the Holy Spirit. Your mask, and so if you're in the room with me, even if you're online, you have been in contact with a very dangerous person. Just want to, I want to warn you right now. Bless them all, Lord. It's done. The symptoms are joy, peace, love, happiness, power, authority. It's really great. Yeah, it's awesome. You guys doing okay? So, 
moving on to perfection, not laying again the foundation of, and then it gives six core doctrines. Now, I believe that as I share these, we have a very mature church, and many of you will go, yep, 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 yep. There may be a few of these that you go, okay, like, what does that mean? I'm going to break it down for you very quickly, and we're going to focus on the second one as we move forward this morning. Uh, Not laying again the foundations of repentance from dead works, right? We got that. We repent from dead works, and we turn to God, and of faith towards God. So we're going to come back to that one, faith toward God, of the doctrine of baptisms, three baptisms, salvation, water baptism, and baptism in the Holy Spirit, of laying on of hands. When people come out of the water, you lay hands on them, and the Holy Spirit fills them. You lay hands on the sick. There is a doctrine of laying on of hands, and the enemy's coming against that one real good at the moment. I'm still laying hands on people. I am. Because what's in me is more powerful than what's on them. If Jesus can lay hands on a leper, I can lay hands on somebody with COVID-19. I'm, 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 oh, I always do this to myself. I say, you won't do it, but then I do it. But I did it. But you like it. At least Tasha does. Some of you came here to hear me today. I don't, I haven't figured it out yet. Okay. So of the doctrine of baptisms laying out of hands, the resurrection of the dead and eternal judgment. Now, I've found in, in the charismatic Pentecostal camp, we have a lot of kingdom now focus. The kingdom come, kingdom now. And we get so focused on now that we forget about the kingdom to come. I'm not living for now, I'm living for then. And I'm trying to take as many people with me now to eternity with Jesus in heaven. That's why Scott is who he is. He understands he's not living for this moment, so he is continually laying down his life for others to take them with him. So you have the resurrection of the dead. Like, guys, these are, this is not your body for all of eternity, right? We're going to shed this body, and when Jesus returns, there's going to be a resurrection, and you're going to receive a resurrected body. Right now, you've only, ever, you've only received the deposit of the Holy Spirit. This, it's not about this, right? You, you see, I heard somebody say this from uh, in my, one of my classrooms. They said, if you look at Instagram, it's, it's food, clothing, and bodies. I have an Instagram. I'm not against it. But if you look at what the world says, it says food, clothing, bodies. Jesus says, don't worry about those things. Worry about my kingdom. Pursue the kingdom of God. We're going to get to a few scriptures on that. And, and his righteousness and all things will be added unto you. But, but we, we see that if we don't have these six core doctrines, repentance of dead, from dead works, faith in God, baptisms, laying on of hands, and we understand the resurrection of the dead and the fact that everything you do in the flesh will be judged. If you truly realize that doctrine, you would live different today. You wouldn't gossip. You wouldn't get engaged on social media chats that are fruitless. You would be living right with God. And in John 1 verse 2 where we read, so that when he comes back, we will not be ashamed. We can live in a place of right, being right with God that actually God can then use us as a weapon against the enemy. 
Or you can live ho-hum. You can just kind of make it into heaven by the, as if passing through fire. I don't want that for any of us. Again, I'm not talking about salvation today. I'm talking about the victorious Christian life that we can live and walk in, that we can all live and all walk in. So let's, there was a, there was a man uh, just a month ago. Maybe you guys have seen it on social media. His name is Antonio. We were in the coffee shop and, and there was about 100 people there and, and, and we shared the gospel and he stood up. At that moment, I thought that he was a woman because he was, at that moment, he was transgender. I didn't realize that. My eyes aren't that good. That's why I think that clock says like 9.30. So I've got a long time left to preach. Um, but um, he stands up and, and then we, we, I believe in those six foundational doctrines in Hebrews 6. So we go right into baptisms after repentance from dead works and faith in God. Let's baptize. So we bring him up. He's not going to get baptized, but he's there watching as people are coming up out of the water, praying in the Holy Spirit, speaking in tongues, cleanse, clean. I saw a guy the other day kneel down, take off his dog collar with spikes on it and hand it to me, take off his rings and all of his goth stuff, get in the water and come up transformed, speaking in tongues. Yeah, there's a kingdom that's a little bit better than this world. And so he's standing there watching that. He steps up and I heard the Holy Spirit say, ask him his name. What's your name? He says, my name is Chloe. I said, all right. I heard the Holy Spirit say, be quiet. Okay. Because I, I, I was still trying to figure out, is this a guy? Is this a girl? He was giving, he, he had been given uh, injections that caused different parts of his body to grow. I mean, it's like this was, he was a male, a transgender prostitute. He um, was completely addicted to drugs, alcohol, all of it. Totally. And he stood there and he goes, he goes, my name's Chloe and I want to be set free from all of this stuff. I said, get in the water. So he gets in the water and I hear the Holy Spirit say this, ask him his birth name. What is your birth name? He goes, Antonio. I said, you'll go under the water, Chloe, you'll come up, Antonio, man of God. He comes out of the water in seconds, praying in the spirit. We've been a month with him. He's been at my table. He just texted me this morning and said, is church on today? I said, absolutely get there. He sat at my table and said, I never want to go back again. It was terrible. Fully in it. Guys, righteousness is a gift. But what if I was standing there as the leader of the coffee shop ministry, living in compromise and sin, bowing my knee to everybody has their own right to believe what they want to believe and culture telling me that it was wrong for me to tell that man that he was a man and not a woman. See, what you're silent about, you're agreeing with. If you don't have a strong stance against homosexuality, you agree with it. If you don't have a strong stance against abortion, you agreed with it. Righteousness causes an individual to be as bold as a lion. But the wicked, they flee when nobody pursues them. Listen, I love the homosexual. I hate the sin. I love the transgender. I hate transgender. I love the person that was brought to such a low place that they decided to kill a baby 
but I hate the act of genocide. Where's the righteous ones that will actually stand up and say it as it is? Or are we going to bow to a political system that is trying to conform you into the image of the devil? I'm I'm just going to ask it straight. Well, I don't know. That's pretty extreme. Let's read the Bible. What does the Bible say? The righteous are as bold as a lion. The wicked flee. If you're in this room right now and you have known sin in your life, you have no power, no authority. How can you have authority over something that has you? You can't. We're called to be ambassadors for Christ. How can you be an ambassador for freedom when you're bound? It doesn't make sense. But the world, the the, the church in America says, it's just the way it is. The reason why it's just the way it is, is because the ministers standing behind the pulpits are in compromise. So because a minister, a pastor is in compromise, the entire body is in compromise, and we lower the standard of righteousness. And we, I'm not going to say what I almost said. We mock the gospel. And then we all freak out when Carl Lentz falls morally. Oh my gosh, how did this, how did this guy who's been elevated to a place of superstar Christian who's talking with Justin Bieber and all these, how did he fall? I'll tell you why he fell. He didn't preach the gospel. He didn't stand in righteousness. He didn't walk it out daily. He became a superstar and he got lazy. That's why many of you guys have heard about Ravi Zacharias, a very well-known apologetist that just went to be with Jesus. And it just came out from his ministry that he was living in sexual misconduct. Why? Because he didn't preach the gospel. He didn't talk about baptisms. He didn't bring people up out of the water and lay hands on them and see them get filled with the Holy Spirit. He lives in an intellectual gospel. An intellectual gospel will not make it where we are going. You've got to be possessed by God. You've got to live in a place where you're right with God. Where you fear God, where you understand that there's going to be a resurrection of the dead and I'm going to live and I'm going to stand before the judgment seat of Jesus. And I'm going to have every one of my deeds flash before him. This is not turn or burn. This is not salvation or hell. This is the reality of me speaking to believers, saying it is a time that we arise and begin to live as he has called us to live. Faith in God means you believe what he says about you. Let's go to the book of Romans chapter 1. Romans chapter 1. Oh, I love this. Starting in verse 16. For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. For it is the power of God 
to salvation for everyone who believes, for the Jew first and also for the Greek. Now listen to verse 17. For in it the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith. As it is written, the just shall live by faith. Righteousness is revealed. If we do not understand that through the work of Jesus that we have been made right with God and we can come boldly to the throne of grace, then we will live a compromised Christian life. But when we understand that we have access to the presence of God by the blood of Jesus and we come and we meet with Jesus, right now in heaven is seated a man at the right hand of the Father, the God-man, who sent the Spirit to indwell you. And you can interact daily, moment by moment, second by second with the person of the Holy Spirit. Relationship with God. Jesus gave us access to relationship with God. If you woke up tomorrow and Jesus is there at the end of your bed saying, all right, Pastor Jonathan, we're gonna spend all day together. Jonathan would be like, I get to spend all day with God? Oh my gosh. Halfway through the day, is he gonna be like, hey God, uh, time out. Um, I don't know if you know this, but I'm human. And because I'm human, even though you filled me with your spirit and everything, and it's not like two becoming one, but we're one. Even though you did all that, I don't know if you knew this about me, but I, I'm actually prone to sin, not righteousness. So I need to go over here and have a little sin time out. So if I could just turn my back on you for a minute, I'm just going to go over here and do my thing. But don't worry, I'll repent and come back. That, that's craziness. You would be so caught in the eyes of Jesus that you would actually believe when he says you can be free. 2 Corinthians 5 verse 2. We're going to begin to wrap this up. 2 Corinthians 5 verse 2 says this. Oh, sorry, verse 21. For he made him, Jesus, who knew no sin, to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in him, Jesus. He became sin so he could give us his righteousness. It was the greatest exchange ever done. Ever. You go Before that, it talks about being an ambassador for Christ. I'm going to give you another one in Matthew 6.33. It says, and we know this one. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And then all things will be added to you. It's not just seek first the kingdom of God. You cannot leave aside righteousness. There are people that seek after God for what they can get and not his righteousness. But if we seek after the righteousness of God, <laughs> everything you need, you will have when you need it. It's all about understanding righteousness. If we get righteousness, we change the world. If you get righteousness, one person with God is a majority. If you get righteousness, 
you will change the world. If we don't get righteousness, we live powerless and defeated by the sin Jesus paid the price to remove. Let me read it one more time. If we don't get righteousness, we, we live powerless and defeated by the sin Jesus paid the price to remove. Somebody came to me and they asked me about Ravi Zacharias, who I honor, and I will still read his books. And they said, they said to me, um, t- tell me, what are your thoughts on this? And I, and I begin to share my thoughts on, on what happened. And, and, and the individual said to me, but we all sin and fall short of the glory of God. I said, the problem with that statement is we lower the standard of scripture. Now we say, because we are in compromise, it's okay for a man of God or woman of God to be in compromise. And we've lowered the standard. Jesus raised the bar. He said, not only can you not commit adultery, you can't even think it because he knows that what you think you'll eventually do. Not, not only can you not murder, you can't even hate your brother. Because if you hate your brother long enough, that thought pattern will then take over and you'll kill your brother. Jesus raised the bar. It's not like Old Testament was a, was a really strict law and the New Testament, there's like whatever you want to do, it's stricter. Because you've been empowered by grace, which is the person of the Holy Spirit. It's not a free for all. It's not, oh, God understands. No, he doesn't understand. God is perfectly just and perfectly mercy. This is, this is like the plain gospel. I mean, read, read Zephaniah. I know that's a, that's a minor prophet we don't hear much about. Chapter one, judgment. Chapter two, mercy. Chapter three, the remnant that repented will be saved. That's the gospel. Judgment is coming. Mercy has been offered through Jesus. If you don't choose Jesus, you will not be protected from the wrath of God. It's the gospel. Read Zephaniah chapter one, two, and three. It will lay it out clearly to you. All through, it's judgment, mercy, and a saved remnant. In this room right now, we have a saved remnant of people. But we need to be empowered with the gift of righteousness to overcome the world. And a thought pattern that says, I, I dismiss what Ravi did because in reality, I'm doing the same thing. That is worldly wisdom that is sensual and demonic. Worldly wisdom, it is sensual and demonic. When God has filled you, with his fullness, put his spirit on the inside of you. The reason why we live in compromise is because we look at the wrong thing. Luke says in the book of Luke, oh, 722, I believe it is. It says the eye is the lamp of the body. I guarantee you, if you spent 2021 in this word and worshiping him and turned off your television, You'd come out the other side looking a little bit different. I don't have time to go to Galatians 5. I was going to go there and talk about the work of the flesh, which is the top of every work of the flesh is sexual immorality. And then it goes in down. So there's the works of the flesh. Works of the flesh produce sin. But the fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, kindness. Fruit. 
Fruit is grown. Works are worked. What Melissa said was my message. Will you allow God to do it in you? Can you lay down your life and allow God through his gift of righteousness, which is the soil of holiness? Righteousness is the soil that holiness, the tree of holiness grows on, and then you can pick the fruit of the spirit off of it. That's the gospel. It's not you working. Even you working to be godly, you're still going to fall. But when you rest in the arms of grace and receive the gift of righteousness, you become right with God in the soil of your heart, holiness grows. And we've got a lot of Christians that are trying to be holy. You can never be holy. But you can rest in his grace, receive his spirit, have it no longer be who Chris who lives, but Christ who lives in Chris. The problem with many American Christians is there's too much of themselves and not enough of Christ. Christ can only fill an empty container. What are you full of? Humility is the way forward. We have to humble ourselves at the feet of Jesus and say, I'm a, I am nothing without you. The poor in spirit inherit the kingdom of God. So we're poor in spirit. We have an accurate assessment of who we are without God. And I am nothing without God. But when we humble ourselves, then God's mighty spirit fills you. And you're telling me the hope of glory, Christ in you, is not enough to keep you out of pornography? You're believing a distorted gospel if you're bound in sin. You're either a slave to sin or a slave to righteousness. It's not one or the other. And God is coming to his people and he's saying, you're saved if you believe in him, but you don't have to live bound. You can live free. The problem is, is when somebody stands on a platform and says, I'm free. Other people go, no, you're not. How dare you say that? You can't say that. I'm not free. Believe. <laughs> what are you listening to? The word of God or YouTube? What are you reading? What are you giving your life to? This Bible says you can be free. It says you can live uncompromised. We see men and women of God that were once cowards. They get filled with the Holy Spirit and they're speared. They're crucified upside down. Oh, I just don't know if, if it's true. It's true. The Bible tells me it's true. And my life lived tells me it's possible. Am I perfect? Absolutely not. But am I in love with Jesus? Absolutely. And does he keep me from sin every day of my life? 100% he does. And he can do the same for you. He can do and he will do the same for you. In Micah 6 verse 8, last scripture I want to read. This is a, the prophetic scripture that I believe God is speaking to the promised church. One of the many that will come for 2021. But I believe this is what the Lord says to us for this year. This is exciting. In, in, starting in verse six, it says, with what shall I come before the Lord and bow myself before the high God? Question mark. Shall I come before him with burnt offerings, with calves of a year old? Will the Lord be pleased with thousands of rams, thousands of rivers of oil? Shall I give my first 
born for my transgression, the fruit of my body for the sin of my soul. He has, he has shown you, O oh man, what is good. And what does the Lord require of the promised church in 2021? What does he require of you? But to do justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly before your God. To live justly. You can only live justly if you've received righteousness. So receive the gift of righteousness and begin to speak up and don't compromise. And then he says, love mercy and walk humbly before our God. Listen to this one story. Will you guys stand with me? This man was in Romania. He was a Russian who came to Romania. The Nazis were defeated. Stalin took over. Stalin and his company of men called an assembly of people, uh, 4,000 ministers into a, into a thing to seduce them to say that communism and Christianity can hand, be hand in hand. And they're in this assembly. My wife and I were present at this Congress. Sabrina told me, Richard, stand up and wash away the shame from the face of Christ. They are spitting in his face, I said to her. If I do so, you lose your husband. She replied, oh, this is what I see in Melissa and Ashley and Tasha and Chelsea and Jay and others in this room. If I do so, you will lose your husband. She replied, I don't wish to have a coward as a husband. Then I arose and spoke to this Congress, praising not the murderers of Christians, but Jesus Christ, stating that our loyalty is due first to him. The speeches at the Congress were broadcast and the whole country could hear proclaim from this convention in the parliament, the message of Christ. Afterward, I had to pay for this, but it was worthwhile to love, to, to do justly. Let me read you a mercy one. Are you guys okay? Let this sober us. A pastor by the name of Florusco was tortured with red hot iron, pokers, and with knives. He was beaten, beaten very badly. Then starving rats were driven into his cell through a large pipe. He could not sleep because he had to defend himself all the time. If he rested a moment, the rats would attack him. He was forced to stand for two weeks. Day and night, the communists wished to compel him to betray his brethren, but he resisted steadfastly. Eventually, they brought his 14-year-old boy to the prison and began to whip the boy in front of his father saying that they would continue to beat him until the pastor said what they wished him to say. The poor man was half mad. He bore it as long as he could. Then he cried out to his son, Alexander, I must say what they want. I can't bear your beating anymore. The son answered, Father, don't do me the injustice of having a traitor as a parent. Withstand. If they kill me, I will die with the words, Jesus in my fatherland. The communist, enraged, fell upon the child and beat him to death. With blood splattered over the walls of the cell, he died praising God. <laughs> it was strictly forbidden to preach to other prisoners. This 
It is in captive nations today. It was understood that whoever was caught doing this received a severe beating. A number of us decided to pay the price for the privilege of preaching. So we accepted the terms. It was a deal. We preached, they beat us. We were happy preaching. They were happy beating us. So everyone was happy. Last one. A minister who had been horribly beaten was thrown into my cell. He was half dead with blood. Streaming from his face and body. We washed him. Some prisoners cursed the communists. Groaning, he said, please don't curse them. Keep silent. I wish to pray for them. This man spent 14 years in communist prison. On the verge of death the entire time and God sustained him. I just want to, we can't miss this moment. If you're here and you need to be right with God, just come up front and get right with God. This isn't a, this is not an emotional call. This is not a, you need to get up here and repent. This is if you need to get right with God so boldness can hit your heart because you need boldness in this season, come up front and allow God to touch your heart if that's you. If there's known sin in your life, God is faithful and just to remove it right now. There is no need for guilt, shame, or condemnation. If that's you, just come to the front. We've got to get right with God. Where we are going as a nation, we need to be right with God. There's no pressure. I know there's many mature Christians in this room that are right with God right now. But if you're here and you're saying, that is me, I need to get right with God. Because what is coming to America, it's probably only going to get worse. And we need to stand for justice. The Lord would say over you to do justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly before our God.